This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What is up, everyone, and welcome to It's Called Soccer. We are back. The boys are back in town. Ryan is asleep in Germany, but I am your host, Jake. I am now here in Malvern, Pennsylvania. We have Tom Go- Go- Godin. Godin. Tom Godin. And Manny, I don't know your last name, but we're not gonna we're not gonna flame you. So this is Manny. Manny's here with us. Um, <laughs> what's up everyone? Tom, how are you doing? How are you getting along in PA? Uh surviving. Penn State is a very difficult place, but we're making it through the first semester here. Just played my first game of pickup soccer. Um, a little bit tired from it, but we're we're making it through and it was a good night. Did you wear the jersey? No, I did not. I am not that brave. <laughs> you got to go full kit wanker next time. <laughs> Manny, how are you doing? Um, it's been a while. Yeah, it, it has been a while. You know, a, a lot of, you know, just, just like you guys, a lot of life changes. But, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be where I'm at. So, you know. Nice. Well, nice. to take us away from all of the stressors of life, we get to follow and watch along the U.S. men's national team, and this is a USMNT channel. Today we have a lot to talk about because the roster has dropped for the September friendlies against Japan and Saudi Arabia. So we are going to talk through the roster, each position, but first let's just talk high level, like what you guys expected from this roster, what actually happened, what Greg did to call in these players, and kind of where you maybe would have done something a little bit differently. I'll bring up the roster now so we can all look at it together. But yeah, guys, just talk me through. Maybe Tom, we'll start with you and uh, yeah. see what you think of the roster. Yeah, I think that this roster, I was sort of expecting maybe a bigger roster to try out a few more players, but this to me seems like it is an analog for what we expect to be the World Cup roster. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf, and soccer. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V, 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. We see 26 players. We see a good mix of positions that we'd expect to see in the World Cup. Three strikers, five wingers, four center backs, five wing backs, a good mix of just about six midfielders, which is what we did throughout qualifying. So I think that bar a couple players who are out injured, Greg Berhalter opted to make this sort of a trial run for the World Cup, test a few different players at a few different positions, but mainly just bring in the guys who are going to be at in at the World Cup in just a couple months, especially since we don't have a send-off series but with the late stoppage in Europe. Yeah, a bit weird not to have last games in the U.S., but Manny, what do you think about the roster? Um, 
I'm, I, I kind of take time. I think this is uh, this is close to what you're going to see for a, a World Cup World Cup roster. Um, you know, but it, you know, as far as far as like, I think like the construction of it. I, I think it's it will probably percent of what I will probably would expect. You know, there's also there's just one particular call up that I I didn't necessarily well I wouldn't say I agree with, but you know it was a head scratcher. But other than that, you know I think this is as close to what you're going to see for a World Cup roster. So nice building a little anticipation for the rest of the episode until we know who that person is. Don't tell us yet, Manny. Um, guys, this is a live episode as well, so we'll be out on the podcast, but we're on YouTube now, so make sure to get your questions in, and we'll answer them live on the air as well. Um, it is, Tom, you said it, it's an analog to the World Cup roster. We called in 26 players, which is the size of the roster that we'll call in for the World Cup. Now, whether that's the right or wrong thing, I'm sure we'll get into it, but this has to be kind of a trial run for Greg and how he's going to approach the roster build, right? Tom, just talk us through a little bit more of, of why you think that is for this roster. <clears throat> I think this sort of seems to be the, I, the reason I sort of am thinking that way is just sort of that mix of positions. We do see, you know, five wingers, which is about what we'd expect from the world cup roster. We see three strikers. We're not bringing all these names. We didn't have five or six strikers on this roster to try out. We didn't throw eight center backs on here to see what they all have. We basically have, a few names that I would expect to see tried out, but a lot of just sort of the names that I think Greg Berhalter is comfortable with the names that he has leaned on throughout qualifying and just guys, I think he can trust to get the job done once he has to actually select that world cup roster. This actually does look a lot, very similar to a roster we would see throughout world cup qualifying. So clearly Berhalter has got a theme of sort of going with this group of guys. He trusts a group of guys that got him through qualifying and, is hopefully going to get the job done when we get to Cotter in just a few months. Yeah. I guess the only thing that comes to mind for me is if we're restricting ourselves unnecessarily. So I'm sure we'll talk about someone like Jordan Pifak, but are we restricting ourselves from being able to compare some players just because we want to kind of approach a 26-man roster? What do you guys think through that? I think you might be onto something here. I'm sorry, I didn't didn't, didn't catch that. It's kind of like... So, Manny, I guess what I'm saying is if we're going to approach this roster in terms of building a World Cup parallel so that Greg can kind of see how he would approach his roster build, are we then taking away some of the information gathering that we could get by maybe bringing one or two extra people along? Someone like Jordan Peefock or someone someone like James Sands, someone who's like barely on the fringe. I, I, I'm not. I, I, I think that with only 180 minutes, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to try too many names. We just don't have a whole lot of time left to be trying out players. If we're going to do that, the time to do that was in, was in June or was during a, a easier World Cup match. We had a whole match against Honduras. I don't think that we tried to do that in September with two months ago. Is it Tom who's breaking up or? Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering, you know, I was wondering if it was so me, but okay. He looks to be back now. Okay. Technical difficulties. We're all a little rusty. 
that's okay. <laughs> it's great to see some uh, some familiar names as well. Tobes, Felix, Blake, um, everyone in the chat. Thanks so much for being here. Again, make sure to uh, get your questions in. I see Parisian Immortal is pretty upset about uh, John Brooks and Jordan P. Fox. So let's just dive into the roster. And uh, there's not too much to be said about the goalkeepers, I don't think. This is kind of who we expected if Zach Steffen was going to be injured. Um, Gaga Slanina hasn't really been a part of the group other than, I think, at the December friendlies, which was really like a kind of 30 through 60 player group. Um, so I didn't really expect Gaga Slanina. But uh, we, we also have Josh Cohen, who's starting for Maccabi Haifa in the Champions League. He, he hasn't been a part of the group either. So, Maccabi. I mean, Maccabi. Sorry. Um, yeah, haven't, haven't had the TV volume on. But yeah, th- these are the three goalkeepers that I expected to see. Did you guys think you were going to see anything differently? Uh, no, that was no. Yeah, pretty much straightforward. Cool. Yeah, not really. <laughs> and we assume this Tom, I don't know what's happening with your internet. It's like you're back in New Mexico again. He's in the Matrix. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's talk about the defensive group then. Uh, We have four center backs that are coming. I don't even... So people are going to ask about John Brooks, right? But I don't even think John Brooks was going to be the fifth or sixth center back that would be called in. I feel like Tim Ream was closer to this group or James yeah. was closer to the center back. So and, Manning. And, 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 and uh, Greg already gave an answer as to why uh, Brooks would not likely be in this group. Um, now, the, the, the reasoning behind it, I, I can somewhat buy, but at the same time, I'm like, but if you go, if we go with the the original reasoning, I mean, we do we do play aggressively. We do play with a higher line, and he's somebody that does not fit well with with playing a high line. So, but I do think that there's some personal vendetta. Well, I wouldn't say a personal vendetta, but there's something personal happening where I just think that he's done with the national team. And yeah, I don't know if he's gonna ever come back, but I I think that's a wrap for that. So, I mean, people have to realize also he's this is on the flip side. Actually, he's the same age as Walker Zimmerman, so it's not like he's an old man that can be phased out at any moment. But at the same time, he hasn't had a club. He is at Benfica now, but he hasn't played yet. Um, so, how is he supposed to play his way onto the roster when? the captain of a mid-table Premier League team, Tim Ream, <laughs> can't find uh, space in this group. So Which was like so Tom odd. Bruce. Which was yeah. so odd that, I, you know, like, and he's actually playing well, I, I, but... I think we're seeing... Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing the very clear message sent by Berhalter that we are going to play a high line. These slower center backs who might be really great passers, really good defending in a low block, might not be the guys that we're looking to bring to this World Cup. I'm not sure I personally agree with that, but it's a very consistent message. Tim Ream gives some consistency to the John Brooks decision that I'm actually kind of appreciative of, that at least we're going to be consistent if we're going to leave Ream and Brooks off, if we're not just going to leave one or the other off. That's fair. 
Yeah. It is funny. I can see like in the comments that fans even are split on John Brooks now. It's like been long enough and it's been consistent enough where people are starting to side a little bit with, you know what, as long as we're consistent or John Brooks hasn't played a minute uh, since last season, then he probably doesn't deserve to be on the roster. Um, I feel like James Sands had a shout to come to this roster, mostly because he's very flexible and can play in the center back position or the center defensive mid position. Neither are necessarily positions of need just based on who else is in that position. But were, was there any other names other than Tim Ream and James Sands that maybe could have had a look at this defender core? So uh, we, we, uh, I know we, we've heard EPB, we've heard his name. And I think originally he was probably going to be a part of this roster, but for whatever reason, I don't know what happened. And so, Another name got subbed in. I'm not going to say which name, but another name got subbed in for him. So, um, I, I, go ahead. I Eric, Eric Paul Brown's had a pretty bad season in France, though, right? He's he's not sh- like standing out as a great so, player. So he's had a pretty he's had an up and down season so far in France. I'm not going to say that he was particularly bad because some of those matches and some of those games, not all the goals were his fault. I, I think the the vast majority of goals were his other center backing pairing, um, but you know I don't think he's actually sh- shown, you know, shown out at at that level, especially th- this season. So I I'm okay with, you know, I'm okay with him being off the roster, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. I I think. James Sands and EPB sort of fall in the same category for me where they look great against sort of lower level competition, but when you put them up against sort of the better teams that they're playing, they're just not standing out for me. They're not looking great. And that kind of worries me with a world cup coming up, especially if they haven't had a lot of time with the team. So I'm fine with those two names being left off. The name that I might've liked to see a call is Austin trusty. Who's been excellent in the championship. He is a club favorite. I, I, I think it would have been nice to give him a look. I think that's going to be a name that we'll, we'll probably look to after the World Cup. You know, I think there's – so there's like a pile of players that I think, you know, we want to bring them in, but this is just too late of a cycle to bring them in. And so, you know, I put them in a – I put him in the bucket of the rest of these players like Alex Mendez and other players where we would like to see them for the national team, just not right now. So, yeah. yeah. That's fair. I mean, if there's a, if you think there's a lot to talk about now with the roster decisions in the fringe, going into 2026 and the next four years where all of those piles of players are trying to break into this, this squad, Good it's going to be insane. We're going to need, like, January camp cupcakes. We're going to need, like, A and B teams when we do main USM&T camps. It's going to be insane. <laughs> oh, so, so, so put this in perspective. So... I, I, know, I know we're going to do an episode on, on the upcoming U-17 roster in, uh, for the, the CONCACAF U-17 championship. This particular U-17 team is considered by, by far the best U-17 group we've ever had, period, in history. So just think that in, in about two or, two or three years, these, these guys are going to be pushing the senior team. They're going to be pushing into the senior team to to get minutes and, and to for a place and spot on the team. So it's really not gonna be any easy uh-huh. roster spots going into twenty twenty six. 
it's really not. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. And even you, mm-hmm. go ahead, Tom. Even the Olympics in just two years is going to be crazy trying to get a spot on that Olympic roster. I, I there's a lot of the guys who we, we talk about a lot. James Sands is the Austin trustees who might be Olympic names who we might see. Johnny Cardoso is another name who Berhalter specifically mentioned today in his press conference that I think is a name we see in the Olympic roster pretty clearly. Yeah. I was going to say at the same time of 2018, around this time of year, Gio Reyna, Ricardo Pepe, and Yunus Musa were all 15 years old. So there is still time for players that are going to be on this U17 squad, on the U20 squads, on the U23 squads to start pushing for their place. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the U17 roster for the September camp. That's the center backs. Um, I guess we can talk about Aaron Long, but I don't really want to. Greg has just beaten me over the head to the point where I just accept it at this point. Is there anything else to be said for Aaron Long? You are the resident Red Bulls fan. Do you watch a lot of his matches? Can you comment on like what you've seen out of Aaron Long recently? So I think recently he's improved, but in my head, it's like he didn't necessarily deserve the chance to be here in the first place because at the beginning of the season, the first maybe 15, 20 games, he wasn't necessarily even the best center back on the team when Sean Nealis was really showing out. But Sean Nealis has kind of had a a drop in form and Aaron Long has come up. But yeah, in my mind, like he plays the way that Greg wants to play. He's agile. He can turn on a dime, but he's not the best passer. He's not a great power center back has a few goals to his name. So he is dangerous on set pieces if we want to attack teams in that sense. But for me, like someone like EPB, someone like James Sands, even, I don't know, there are just players that are to me a level above Aaron Long, but if there's going to be players that we need to, you know, be trusted by Greg and be beloved by the majority of players in the locker room, like Aaron Long does fit that mold. It's just mm-hmm. like who's deserving and who isn't. How do we keep that message consistent for, for each player? I feel like Aaron Long is starting to slip into that or has been for a long time, like been in a role where it kind of says something else to the rest of the team that's maybe missing out or, or just on the fringes. Hmm. That's fair. Um, uh, I, I think the other two names that we haven't mentioned yet that deserve mention is the resurgence of Mark McKenzie and Matt Miazga starting and playing well for FC Cincinnati. But I think those are sort of, you know, a grab bag with me for Aaron Long right now. Long is playing his way down to the fringe. I think those guys have played their way back up to the fringe. But at this point, do we expect Long to get major minutes at this World Cup? I don't really expect him to. Yeah, for me, his, his role is to be the glue of the locker room and not see the pitch for a minute. And if, if that's the case, then honestly, I'm fine with him being there. But the fact is we have four center backs and kind of Reggie Cannon to, to bring to a World Cup. So there, there is a chance that Aaron Long does see the field at some point, but we'll see. So speaking of Reggie Cannon, let's maybe talk about the fullback group. Uh, we have Reggie Cannon, Serginio Des, Joe Scali, Sam Vines, and DeAndre Yedlin. Um, to me, there's only one natural left back in this group, and that's Sam Vines. So out of four, maybe five fullbacks. We have one left back. This has kind of been a consistency with Greg as well. Um, maybe leaving off someone like Dohan Jones or, or another left back off the roster. Where are you guys at with these fullbacks? 
I'm a little confused about what to do with the fullbacks. Frankly, Jedi's going to come back, hopefully, before the World Cup. You pick a name to axe. I'm sort of looking at this list as a which player gets cut type of thing. I would like to see more natural left backs to give a test to, but I think we're going to see Joe Scally get a chance to play some more swing back, Sam Vines get a, a run out, and then Sardino Dest seems to be the, the the backup left back for us, which I don't really love, but Greg seems to really like. So I, I don't really know what to make of it. I, I don't also see a need for DeAndre Yedlin and Reggie Cannon. I feel like you could pick one of those two and not lose anything. I mean, Reggie Cannon can play center back in a back three. DeAndre Yedlin is maybe like a safer option at the right back. But Manny, what, mm-hmm. what do you think about these fullbacks? So you can you can definitely tell that, and even Greg believes this, that left back is probably our weakest position. Um, we still really have not found an answer. I mean, Anthony is the, the, the incumbent for now, but it's like we still have not found a real answer. And when Anthony's not there, then we pretty much have uh, – it's pretty much pick a, a, a name out of the hat. So remember we had we had a Sam Vines. We had George Bellow at one point. Um, he was getting called in. Um, and, and those are just really the, the only – left-footed name you know names that that play on you know on the left so it's really a position of concern and i for what it's worth sam vines is having a decent season in belgium just to, to, to start the season so you know i definitely think that you know he does deserve to he does deserve this uh you know this this roster spot and i'm, I'm assuming he's gonna he's going to get a lot of time. So I, I, I do think that he does deserve that. But, man, left back is just such a – such yeah. an area of weakness for this – for this not for this pool, like the, the, the pool itself. Like I feel like it's just a weakness in itself. So, you know. I'm completely with you. That That's kind of my two takeaways from the fullback group. The first is that, man, without Anthony Robinson, we are really thin at that position. And you could even tell how important he was to this team because he was constantly playing 270 minutes in World Cup qualification, 90 minutes all three games. And that happened multiple times, even when everyone else on the roster is being rotated. So Greg did say today that he hoped Jedi would be back by the World Cup. And that threw my timelines in complete whack because I thought he would be back in like a few weeks from a twisted ankle so maybe Greg knows something we don't know. Um, but the second part of this, this fullback group that it, it's telling me is that Joe Scally and Sam Vines have the most to gain from this camp. Is that a storyline that you guys are, are looking into? I feel like this is really Sam Vines' position to win on the left back backup role. And Joe Scally is there because he can be really versatile and has done really well so far for Borussia Mönchengladbach in the Bundesliga this season. It's it, it's an interesting question because I think Sam Vines does have the most to gain, and Scally is just sort of just now breaking through. It's hard to say that given our pool at right back, a guy who is keeping Liner, who's a great Austrian midfield, a great Austrian right back, on the bench consistently for Munchen Gladbach, doesn't deserve to be in the World Cup pool. Given his competition is playing in Portugal and in MLS, I I I don't know. I just feel like Scally deserves to be there, but I, I don't see where he fits and this is sort of 
my big takeaway or my big thing I'm looking for in this camp is where does Greg play him? Where does he fit? Does he look good going both up and down the field? I don't know. Does Vines outplay him? Does Scally cement his spot? There's, that's sort of a big storyline, I think. I, th- I think you're right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I like what Felix is saying here. He says, I'm okay with the fullbacks. Dest is too dynamic not to start. Yedlin does fit the system and does solid in big games and has real World Cup experience. Cannon is versatile. I think we're all in agreement that like these are the best fullbacks we could call in. It's just that mm-hmm. that group is probably a very weak spot compared to the rest of the roster. Agreed. All right. And we do have to shout out Eddie G, a member of the channel and longtime supporter. What's up, fellas? Hope you all are good. We are, are all good, man. It's nice to see so many familiar faces and names in the, the crowd tonight. Um, all right, guys, let's talk about the midfielder group because that, to me, is the strongest by far um, that the U.S. is going to bring. Really no surprises. And, man, is this... Is this an amazing group? Someone that I'm very excited. I mean, all of them. Maybe it's Sans Kellen Acosta, but even then, I think he has something to bring to this team with the set pieces. So, Manny, maybe we'll start with you. Just, just how good is this midfielder core? And was there anyone that was missing or omitted from the roster? No, I think he called in everybody that I think people want. Oh, people wanted to see. Um, and 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 I. The coach doesn't pick. The coach doesn't pick who we want. The coach picks who he thinks is gives him the best well chance, said. <laughs> chance to win. So, um, with that being said, I think he, I, I think he picked the, the best, the best midfielders uh, for this roster. Um, I mean, you you guys could probably say more than I, but I, I, I think is it MMA for you, Manny? Um. Here's my thing, and you know, maybe I might just be by myself on this, but sometimes you you have to be tactically flexible. So I I get to to play one formation and to get everybody familiar, but sometimes like you're gonna need to be tactically flexible um in certain matches. Like you, you can't just always go out in a four three three and then expect and expect the team to to you know to play and to you know beat other teams when you know if the other team knows that you're gonna play a four three three they may set up in a different way to negate your midfield. So I I don't know. I, I personally I, I personally don't like the fact that he's hammered the four three three. Okay, so it's more like a positional rigidity or formation rigidity rather than the players that he's fitting into it. You know better than me. <laughs> are, are, are you going with Rainer Aronson in that spot instead of Musa? I would, I personally, me, this is just me talking me personally. Like, I would, I would have them in a more advanced role. I would. Um, you know, uh, uh, an eight and a four three three. Like I, I think they're they're better advanced midfielders than actual box to box midfielders. That that's just me personally. Um, I, yeah. I, I can't really speak for y'all, but you know, I, that's how I feel personally. So it would just be wrong to play them 
as box-to-box midfielders when they're better up the pitch, if that makes sense. Yeah. Tom, Mm -hmm. why do you think Malik Tillman is listed as a midfielder here when he plays in a front three for Rangers? Berhalter clearly has a position set up for a hybrid midfielder um, extra guy who can rotate into the half space merchant position. And he thinks that Tillman's the guy right now. We've had heard a lot of talk about Zendejas at Club America. Georgi Mihailovic has played well this year. Tillman is sort of having his breakout season. I sort of say fit all three guys into that sort of same position where they're kind of not really a true winger. Tillman plays a lot at the 10. I think that it's just sort of the best way to fit him into the roster. I don't, I, I expect if he does get on the field, he's going to play a little bit more advanced position than a true eight than Musa and McKenney would play it. But I, I think that it's sort of hard to say that he deserves being that winger core. And when you think about the a fourth midfielder for that group of eights, who are you going to take if not sort of a hybrid half space merchant advanced eight? I, I don't really see a whole lot of true eight options. Maybe Eric Williamson, who are sort of lighting it up right now, who could sort of fill that position. From day one, when we started the community roster poll, that fourth eight has sort of been reserved for one of these guys. It was Mihailovic, then he got hurt and fell off, and now Tillman's sort of taking that role for himself. Yeah. Totally makes sense. I would love to hand this roster to Pep Guardiola for a club season and just see where players ended up by the, the 38th game to see, you know, if, I don't know, yeah. Gio Reyna's playing a false nine or Malik Tillman's in a box-to-box, like, shuttler position. But anyways, Greg is, is not Pep, and he does not have the time that a club team would have. Uh, yeah, Mihailovic could have been one of the ones that could get a look here. Um, Eric Williamson has been tossed around by a lot of MLS people. And to be fair to Eric Williamson as well, he was breaking into the squad before he had a a horrific knee injury that kept him out for a long time. It's just that we have such quality here in the midfield that it would be really hard for someone to break in at this point and expect to get any minutes. All right, let's talk about the forwards now, because I think this is going to be where we have a lot to say and maybe where Manny prophesized he he wanted to see and was confused about one player. Before we do that, we have to give a shout-out to Preston. Again, a long-term member um, of the channel. He gave a super chat $2. Thank you so much, Preston. Uh, We'll we'll send crayons or uh, pens, whatever you need for the classroom, back to you. Um, I think Greg sees Tillman as a Musa clone. That's a really good point. I feel like Musa, I mean, nobody on the squad, nobody maybe in, in CONCACAF has the profile that Yunus Musa does to be able to shuttle as a number eight. But Malik Tillman has the skill set, maybe not the, I don't want to say IQ, that's the wrong thing to say, but like he doesn't necessarily see the game the same. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Perfect. I also think Tillman's just not as physical as Musa. I think that Musa just sort of the way he can just win the ball and just blow by people is just insane. You see him often do just three guys with a single play, hold off two others, and we're off to the races. I don't think Tillman's quite there yet. I think he could have that skill eventually, but Musa's just sort of a level above in that regard. Musa's my yeah. guy who I think is going to break out this I, World I, Cup. I am so excited about him. I, I personally think that, like, I just think they're two different players. Like, obviously, you know, they, they have the technical ability. Um, they both can dribble. You know, they're they're – they're both good with, with both feet, but 
Um, I just think they're two different players. That's just me personally. We'll see in the World Cup, but Tom, I agree with you. Yunus Musa is one of the most exciting players for me uh, of any team, young players to come in. Maybe Pedri for, for Spain, but man, Yunus Musa is a player to watch no matter what country you support in this World Cup. Preston, thank you so much again for the super chat. Uh, we will get you meter sticks for the classroom. Uh, yeah. Teachers don't get paid enough, and they have to pay for their own classroom supplies, which is bullshit. So F the American government for that. Uh, anyways. Getting spicy. Uh, let's talk, yeah. Let's talk about forwards. So, Manny, I assume that this is where a player that you wanted to see isn't on the roster. Talk your yeah. talk. Yeah. Um, again, I, for the most part, I, I, I think in the striker pool, I think I'm not upset that I'm not upset that we, we had, we, he brought three strikers. What I'm upset is, is that he decided that because, so let's preface this by explaining the situation. So he was supposed to go see Jordan Pifalk in Berlin. I think it was about a couple weeks ago. Only thing is Jordan Pifalk was injured and he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't playing that day. Um he wasn't playing that day. So So I guess therefore by by not seeing him he just said, okay, well, we're going to go with these guys. And I think that it's unfair because he, other than the game that he missed, he's pretty, he's, he's, he's pretty much had a, a, a very eventful start to the Bundesliga season. He, he's had, I guess, four, four goal, uh, four goal contributions, whether it be assist or, or goal in this early season. And so if any, if any, any Ford is in form right now, uh, in the best form right now, it would be him. So I don't, I, I haven't seen his, uh, you know, I haven't seen, I haven't heard, seen his uh, press conference today. So I don't know if anybody asked him as to why um, Jordan wasn't included, but I, I think that this, that there's some, some bias as to why he's not there. Um, yeah. I just brought up a tweet from Meg Swanick from the press conference, which basically said that uh, Greg Berhalter was still looking uh, at players that could uh, work their way onto the squad. And that was Zach Steffen, Gaga Slonina, James Sands, Tim Ream, APB, Matt Miazga, Mark McKenzie, Shaq Moore, Johnny Cordoso, Eric Williamson, Jordan Pivak, Haji Wright, and Brandon Vasquez. That's a lot of players that could still work their way into the squad and Jordan Pifak, Haji Wright and Brandon Vasquez were, were on that list. So I, I'm in complete agreement with you, Manny though. It's, he has a goal in the cup. He has two goals in the league, two assists in the league. And in the same league, a, a player that gets called in, couldn't get playing time, hasn't scored since last year and got loaned out to the, the Netherlands where he had an assist in his first introduction to the the team so when we talk about being consistent and calling in from form production 
keeping leagues consistent, quality of play consistent. It just doesn't seem like this is the right decision. And again, I'm not upset that Ricardo Pepe gets called in. I'm upset that we're not using, like, why don't we just call in 27 players and bring in Jordan Peefock? Nothing is stopping us from doing that. Especially yeah. considering how short of a drive it is to that first game for him. He's like 30 <laughs> minutes away. Um, I actually asked Meg Swanick about this on Twitter today, and she sort of said that she thinks Peefock is not out of the running in that Berhalter sort of knows what he has with Peefock. He knows his play style. He knows what he's going to get if he calls him up, if he plays him. The players he hasn't seen yet are Josh Sargent since the Nations League semifinals, which is a long time ago now. He's a very different player from that. He's a much more confident player. Ricardo Finals. Pepe for the first time semifinal. Final. He played. Remember, remember, you oh, started the final. Oh, did he start the final? Oh, yeah. I forgot that. Um, I was there. But <laughs> <laughs> makes your point but, even more. It, yeah, it does. Um, uh, it, it's been a long time since we've seen Josh Sargent, and he's now playing as a Golden Boot contender in the championship, which is great. He's sort of a completely rejuvenated player. We also have Pepe, who maybe trying to find his feet and. He was the guy who got you there. He was electric the first couple of introductions in his World Cup qualifying campaign. <laughs> it's sort of a very low-risk, high-reward gamble to see if you can get him going and get his confidence back up because Pepe has the tools to be a great striker. He just hasn't shown it in a very long time. We know we're going to get with PFOC. We can always bring him back in in the World Cup if he's still hot. But right now, we're going to take that time to evaluate two of the guys who are possibly below him and see what we've got with those two options. Yeah. I uh, I was talking to my wife about this before we got on the air, and I need to credit her with this because I, I think it's right. It's also hilarious. But she basically, we were talking about PFOC and, and Ricardo Pepe on the roster, and she said, what's the point of learning about someone that isn't going to make the World Cup roster? Oh. Like, this is the last roster Holy before crap. the World Cup. No, but really, like, why... <laughs> Why wouldn't we build chemistry with someone like Jordan Peefock if if he is a lock or if he is expected to be mm-hmm. a part of this roster? Um, and giving confidence, or like, why would you want to give confidence to someone if they're not going to be a part of the World Cup roster instead of bringing someone else? I mean, very true. I, I, I sort of see that point, but I also see the benefits of Pepe going on to have 10 goals in the next few games, in the next you know, eight games before the World Cup. If he sort of lights up the Netherlands and he's red hot, last time he was red hot, he scored three goals in two appearances for the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, I'm not saying he doesn't bring anything to this team, and he did save us in the first World (laughs) Cup window. Uh, But since then, Jesus Ferreira has completely overtaken him as kind of that number one option. I, I agree with that too. And Jesus Ferreira, I know Manny's not the biggest Jesus Ferreira fan, but I think Jesus <laughs> Ferreira is probably the biggest lock on this roster. And Ryan and I have actually been chatting about this on Twitter some tonight too, where Ryan sort of sees Ferreira as a fringe guy. I sort of see Ferreira as the biggest lock on this roster, for at least for the striker position. He's not in strength Easily. as a starter, but he, he's going to Cotter. That's, that's it, guaranteed. In Greg's mind, Jesus Ferreira is one of the first names – to, to the World Cup, no matter what happens between now and November. Which is so unfortunate, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, he could still flop at the World Cup. I'm not saying that he's going to start every single match, but he's clearly going to go. I mean, if you look at his stats, he completely deserves it. He's 
been the number one generator of both XG and XA for the U.S. over the last year since World Cup qualifying started. He has got 18 non-penalty goals this year, which leads MLS. He's the only player who scored 18 if you take out penalties. Um, he's outperforming the peak of Ricardo Pepe's numbers for the same club. I, I don't know. He's just he's had such a good season, and his performances for the U.S., even though they haven't led to goals, have generated more chances than anyone else. He deserves to be on this team. Okay. Rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I guess I'm, I'm, I guess I'm Manny, dropping into the analytics here. <laughs> Manny feels the same way about that speech as I do about Greg Berhalter and Aaron Long. So maybe it's a moot <laughs> point and you just accept it and move on. Um, what about Brandon Vasquez or you know, some of the other strikers in the group? Or is it really just Jordan Peefock deserve to be here? Everyone else is on the fringe. So let me ask you a question. So remember that tweet that you had blew up on, on the screen there? Did that have Brandon Vasquez? It did. Yeah, it was the last name. So I don't understand like how they're still in the running and this is the last roster to kind of evaluate. So I just think that it would just be really confusing and off-brand for mm-hmm. for him to pick somebody who is never even who's who's never even at least suited up once before the World Cup. So I would have to think Brandon Vasquez is pretty much not going to be a factor. He's done so, which yeah, is very unfortunate because I I think that he could probably he he has a skill set that I I don't think many strikers have in the pool. So I, I don't know. I just think that that's very unfortunate that he does not want to evaluate them, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, I, that, that was the question at the beginning that I was asking Manny was essentially like, why not just bring the other people that you're trying to evaluate? Um, like, why are we restricting ourselves to this 26 man roster? Just because it matches the amount of players that we would bring to the real World Cup. I, I think the logistics, I think, was a, probably a big reason, a big part of why we we didn't get a bigger a bigger roster than. than um, and this is not to say that you know even even before when we had camps and stuff in in, in you know in America we didn't have bigger rosters, but I or. I, you know, I think it means more now than ever, uh, especially with the logistics of it. it. Just, it just probably wasn't going to happen. You know, I don't know. That that's just my reasoning. Yeah. All right. Before we talk about the wingers and wrap up, I think this is a really interesting question from Blake. He said, "What is your perspective on Greg Berhalter? I feel like twelve to eighteen months ago, it was always, "What the hell is he thinking?" But how do we feel now? Maybe Manny, we'll, we'll start over with you. Uh, we still have those moments, so I mean, I don't think much has changed. Are, are they fewer and far between? Um, no, he. I, I'll say, I'll say this: he's pretty consistent on the the WTF moments. Um, <laughs> especially, especially for the that was your stuff. positive, um, Greg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, consistent? no, I mean, yeah, that's. I, <laughs> if there's anything that you can say that's positive about him, is that those moments are consistent, and he will give you that. He'll give me one of those every every window. So I mean, so I feel a little bit differently from you. Although every time I feel good 
about Greg. I think back to the way that I felt after the Canada loss, where I was like, I, no matter what Greg does from here on out, I will never tr- trust him again. Um, that was the game, by the way, we lost 2 nothing, and he said that we dominated the match against Canada in Canada. Um, that kind of threw me off the deep end. But since then, like, it has genuinely been much better. It's just like, I can't get over some of those bad moments that keep pulling me back. But Tom, do you feel any differently here? I don't know. I feel like I'm getting good at speaking Greg, where I just sort of <laughs> can pretty easily predict what he's going to do. I appreciate the internal logic that he has, where he's pretty consistent. He plays a player until he just sort of drives you mad, and all of a sudden they're gone, and they never come back again. They just sort of poof out of existence. Sebastian Legette, Jackson Ewell, these sort of will trap, these guys that were in every single roster all of a sudden disappear. So while you get sort of maddened by them, all of a sudden they just sort of get phased out. And I'm starting to be able to call, like, sort of when that's going to happen and when eventually the insanity is going to break. And I don't know. It's it's getting to be a little bit easier to understand his thought process, especially I think the community roster poll that we've been doing has helped where I have to sort of be in his shoes and sort of try and figure out what he's going to do. And I feel like I'm starting to sort of get the hang of it. I don't always agree with him, but I at least understand where he's coming from. This will, uh, this will make a lot of sense once you have your descent into madness in about three months, and we'll, we'll see the origin story of how you tried to get in the brain of Greg Berhalter. Go All right, on. let's wrap up. Yeah, exactly. Let's, I mean, talk about some WTF moments. Let's talk about these wingers because there are players that we expect and know that we're going to be here. Brendan Aronson, uh, Christian Pulisic, Gio Reyna. But then we have... Paul Ariola, which to his credit has done very well in MLS, is probably the best player that we have outside of Tim Weah for this position that isn't on the roster. And then there's Jordan Morris, a player that we always knew was in contention, but I never really, like, even with trying to speak Greg and understanding Greg a little bit more, to me, this still feels like just a completely out of left field decision. So where... Where is Jordan Morris coming from on this roster? I honestly have got no idea. You need bodies. I, I, yeah, you need bodies. And who? what What other winger would you like to see in that position? If Tim Way is out and you need a fifth winger, who are you going with? Jordan Pifa. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, bring in an extra striker. You're not going to – Brendan Aronson, Giorena, Christian Pulisic, and Paul Ariola can play – all of the 180 minutes in these two matches. There's no reason. I mean, I'm being really harsh because if Tim Way is healthy, Jordan Morris isn't on this roster, I don't think. Um, but at the same time, like that's a spot someone else can have to, to really cement their place. Mm-hmm. If you think about this March Madness style, who's on the bubble and who's the first man out, clearly Jordan Morris is the first man out on the roster. And I'm really not sure how he's our 27th best player. Like, he's done fine in MLS, but he just really hasn't been the same since his injuries. And I do agree that we could use that spot on someone else. I just don't know who it could be. Conrad De La Fuente has fallen off the face of the earth. He's kind of struggling in Greece right now. Um, maybe there are some wingers in MLS. You could bring one of the Philly guys in, but they're all really young, and I'm not sure I would count on them for a World Cup spot right now. Um Caden Clark is still sort of struggling to find minutes at New York City or at New York Red Bulls. So 
Maybe yeah. you've made Richie Ledesma, but he's still working his way back for Jong PSV. Uh, he's been injured off and on. I, I don't. I just don't see a whole lot of wingers outside of Morris that I would trust with a World Cup spot if Wea can't go. Yeah, I mean, Manny, what are your thoughts here? Because I'm seeing a lot of the same. Like, just don't bring Morris and add an extra body somewhere else, whether that's center back or striker or, or somewhere else. I mean, it. I mean, it's it's consistent with what Greg does, so I'm I'm not surprised, but. Um, we need bodies. That that's kind of how I feel about his inclusion. We need bodies. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. What What about the rest of the winger core? It's great um, to see Gio you know, back. He, yeah, it's good to see Gio back, and uh, you know, uh, he got the start today, so we we love to see that. Um, you know, but I I think it's consistent. It's consistent with what we wanted. Um, Christian, Gio, Brendan. Um, yeah, I think it's... Uh, I like the Sergeant... Know, <clears throat> I like Sergeant so, or more or fair or wide. So that could be an option too. <clears throat> solid group. Solid group. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's talk about the 26 as a whole then. I mean, I I kind of talked about it in a, a article that I wrote this morning, but I was basically just saying this is the best roster that one of the best rosters that we've ever seen. Uh, but that's only going to continue to happen over the next decade. Every time we release a roster, it's going to continue to be the best roster that the U S has ever had. Um, how are you guys feeling now that we're two months out from the world cup? This is our last roster officially before the world cup comes out. Just give me your kind of closing spiel on where you're at mentally and, and confidence-wise with this roster and with Greg. I feel like right now I'm in the position where we're talking about, we're worrying about our fourth center back. We're worrying about our fourth midfielder. We're worrying about our fifth outside back. And we're worrying about our fifth winger. If these are the problems we have about coming into our World Cup, if we are fine with, say, 1 through 20 on the roster, 1 through 21 on the roster, we're going to be in really good shape. I'm fairly confident that our starting 11, starting 15 that we're going to see play the majority of the minutes is going to have a solid tournament, which I'm really good. I'm fine with. If there are injuries, then I start to get a little worried and I'm a little bit less confident. But for right now, if we're really just sort of diving into the last couple positions of the depth chart, we're going to be fine. I'm, I'm, I think we're going to in a good spot going into the world cup. Manny, where are you at? Um, you know, I'm just, it, it, it's whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think like after a certain point and you just realize that, you know, you're not in charge of the, the U S men's national team. <laughs> um, you know, you just, you just roll with it. So that's yeah. just kind of where I'm at. I'm just like, okay. You know, say what you will about any other channels or podcasts, but I really feel like we do a great job of just asking people to enjoy the moment. And, like, remember why you you watch this and why it's entertainment, because it's fun. Yeah, that's sort of where I'm at. It, it's fun. We haven't been in this position in eight years. We get to talk about a U.S. World Cup roster for the first time since I graduated high school, and I am just 
stoked that that's a thing. You are young. Keep talking about you your age, Tom. Young. <laughs> yeah, gracious. Oh my god. <laughs> it's a humble brag that, that is always needed. I guess that is the podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. We I feel like after 15 minutes we got rolling a little bit, got into our momentum. Uh, la- let's do a little bit of last words. Uh, it's been a while since we've been on air, since we've had an episode. We've had a lot of life changes. Um, so just last words. Manny, we'll go to you first. Actually, come back to me. Come back to All me. Right. Tom, you go first. The goal for me right now is just to grind. I'm, uh, it's been awesome getting to transition to the life in state college. I'm so glad to be here at Penn State and you know, the next two months of the World Cup are just going to be, you know, work as hard as I can so I can enjoy the moment. And I'm excited for that opportunity. It's going to be really fun. I also apologize a little bit for being super wheezy on this podcast. I spent the first weeks here at Penn State, first three weeks battling bronchitis, and clearly playing an hour and a half of pickup soccer tonight did not do me any favors with that. So maybe I'll be a little bit less wheezy on our next recording. Side side note, uh, S, S27, you smoking crack, dude. Paul Ariola will win the World Cup golden ball. You're definitely smoking crack. Hands down, you were smoking illegal synthetic crack. <laughs> Jeez Louise. All right. Manny, you ready to go? My yeah. bugging. Enjoy the moment, because you know who 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 knows when when the next time we'll we'll make a World Cup. Oh, we'll make it the the next one. But no, just just enjoy the moment. Um, you know, it, it's rare. It's rare. It's rare when we get these times, especially all three of us, and, and when Ryan comes on, all four of us to get together these days. So just enjoy the moment, enjoy the enjoy the time, and whatnot. So. Well said. All right, guys, that is our episode. My last word is thank you, everyone, for sticking with us. It was great to have like we have forty people now, fifty people at the max, um, to take a three or four week break from all of this and still have all the support from you guys is uh, just really awesome. So we'll leave with Sam from Yank Report saying he only buys organic crack. (laughs) And that was a perfect end to this episode. Thanks everyone for watching and uh, check out the channel, subscribe, and we'll see you next time on It's Called Soccer. Peace. See you guys. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.